0: Just by way of review, before we dive in, it is good to know that we have four Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the question certainly can be asked, well, why do we have four? I mean, it was each one competing with one another for the best story, and the the, the real answer here is that each one of them had a specific purpose to tell about Jesus. Matthew, his focus was on the fact that Jesus is king. King is an enormous, a huge, huge word in Matthew. And Matthew is certainly the most uh, Old Testament filled. He quotes the Old Testament scriptures numerous times, far more than any of the other Gospels. And it is important to know this as we read because we've already noticed in the genealogy, Matthew focusing on the right of Jesus to sit on the throne of his father David. You know, based on, remember that covenant from 2 Samuel chapter 7, you know, that the descendant of David would sit on a throne forever, and the only one qualified to do that forever is Jesus. So, my friends, let's pray together. We'll dive in and continue our study about the king and his birth. Father, meet with us here today. I'm certain already that uh, some would stand and testify and say how already, whether it be the songs or the the testimony here today, God, that you've already begun to work. Have your perfect work in us here today, I pray. God, in the quietness of this moment, Spirit, lead us that we might commit ourselves to hearing and hearing And doing what it is your spirit leads us to do based on what it is we hear here today. God, may you be glorified by the decisions that we make first in our hearts and then our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A woman, as so many of us do, like I will be tomorrow, went to a doctor And uh, when she got there, she was instructed that she would not be going to Dr. Phillips as she normally would do, but she would be seeing Dr. Beecham. And she said, who is this doctor? I don't know him. And he was a young man, very young. He looked barely out of high school to her. But sure enough, (coughs) remember that thing about sick people? Yeah. So she walks in the door and... And he and she sits down and, and she say, he says, what, what what seems to be the problem? And they talked, and about four minutes into it, the doctor said, gave her the diagnosis. She stood up, she shrieked, she walked out the door, ran down the hallway, and there was Dr. Phillips. And he said, What is the matter? And she said, He said, I'm pregnant! Well, Dr. Phillips didn't have any of that, walked down the hallway, looked from Dr. Beecham and said, the woman is 63 years old. She's got four adult children and seven grandchildren. Whatsoever did you think in your mind that you should tell her she's pregnant? And smugly, Dr. Beecham looked down from his paper and up to Dr. Phillips and said, well, I've cured her hiccups, haven't I? I know, some of you are thinking, that's not funny at all. You'll laugh about it later, though. You'll probably even tell your friends, and you won't tell them you heard it from me first. That's okay. A good joke is worth sharing. Well, it is a joke, and it catches the feel that perhaps many people and maybe you have felt upon hearing the news, and it certainly reflects (laughs) a thought that must have gone through Joseph's mind in the account that we are to read even now this morning. So turn with me in your copy of the Scriptures to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, and we are going to jump in at verse 18. And just the introduction tells us all that we need to know about what's happening here. Notice how Matthew in verse 18 tells us, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, and then he begins his account. Well, certainly there is a context to be told if we are to talk about the birth of Jesus. And even from the, uh, the plays of old, and perhaps you, you wrapped yourselves in somebody's old costume and you played your part of the Christmas story. I wonder if you were ever a part of that or just watched maybe your kids do it. But my friends, there is indeed a context, the circumstances of Christ's birth, you know, we certainly, from Luke's account, Luke's gives us a little bit more information in chapter 2 and tells us that, it <coughs> 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 is the season, eh? Uh, uh, Luke tells us that Caesar Augustus had decided that there should be a registration. And the purpose for the registration was, of course, for taxation. But the, the, the manner of this registration is that everyone should go to their own town And this, of course, in the providence of God to move in the hearts of men and women throughout history, to bring people in the right places at the right time, caused Mary and Joseph, uh, this man and this woman who were betrothed to be married, to travel to Bethlehem, now, ironically, or not ironically at all, and not coincidentally either, this is exactly what the Old Testament prophets said was going to happen: that the that the Christ, the Son, would be born in Bethlehem. That whole conversation about a star in Bethlehem, Ephrathah. Well, this is going to be fun. (laughs) And so, taxation was a circumstance, people moving about. And as I've already mentioned, the betrothal of Mary and Joseph, and perhaps you've already heard a little bit that this engagement was not like the way that we do it today. Law regarded an engaged couple as virtually married. And normally, there was a one-year period of waiting followed by the betrothal before the consummation of the marriage. And during that year, because you're smart, break their engagement with a divorce. Now, this is important information because you're smart Bible students and you know the story. You know, so uh, so these circumstances, taxation, the betrothal of Mary and Joseph, and then... Yeah, look at that, let's see up here, (laughs) my notes aren't working today, the discovery of Mary's pregnancy, oh bless you my son, (laughs) oh my goodness. My friends, Mary's pregnancy, and this is where we discover about Mary's pregnancy and Joseph's response. And I think that there are some important things that we can learn from this, my friends. Notice uh, how uh, Matthew lays it out here. Before they came together. So in other words, Matthew making it extraordinarily clear that this was not a child naturally of Mary and Joseph. Before they had come together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, I'd like to explain to you how exactly this happened, but I don't know. <laughs> we know that God sending his son in fleshment taking place in this manner, but we don't know. We don't understand how these things work. We understand what it is that God tells us, and we accept it as true and live in light of it. Well, my friends, after this information that the reader now has, we, uh, dis- we begin to look in on Joseph's understanding. So, this discovery of uh, Mary's pregnancy, we see how it happened, the Spirit of God in his power, you know, but uh, wow. <whistles> Joseph now has a decision to make. And, and, and in verse 19, we find Joseph's distress. Joseph now has a dilemma. By sweeping this news under the rug, here he is betrothed to a woman who he discovers is pregnant. And they had no sexual relationship. And so Joseph has to figure out what to do. Now, he knows what the Word of God says. Any woman found to be pregnant outside of marriage is to be stoned. And uh, the one the accusers is the one to pick up the rocks first. Can you even imagine? Well, certainly a good warning for people to be careful in their lives, not to find themselves in situations. Isn't it odd that we're talking about this here this morning, Christmas time, and you know what's been in the news? I, I should say the indiscretions, but indiscretion doesn't begin to cover it. The acts of men to be unfaithful and advancing, and their sexual prowess toward women of indefensible places. It is a shameful, shameful thing. But here is Joseph. What am I to do with this woman now? Who is pregnant, who has dishonored God in his mind, and his people, and certainly Joseph. Certainly this would have been the initial response of Joseph. But Joseph now has to make a decision and here's his dilemma, what shall I do? I mean, shall I obey God and have this woman stoned? I mean, that doesn't feel good. I mean, even to entertain that, think of the latest sin of someone that you have become aware of. Eh, maybe it was a, a small little lie, you know, maybe just a coloration of a story. And Is that person worthy of death for such a thing? You know? Well, the Bible says yes. And in an obedience to that, would you pick up a rock? If that is what God had called us to do, how would you respond? Well, here is Joseph with his dilemma. And the scripture says her husband Joseph, being a just man, which simply means he lived his life in in order, the scripture is taught. He did what God had told him to do according to the scriptures. He was a faithful man, he was just. And notice this, but he was also unwilling to put her to shame. And in his heart, he resolved to divorce her quietly—a compassionate thing to do. But is compassion okay in light of the justice of God about sin? It was a—it was a dilemma, to be sure. Well, what do you do when you find yourself between a rock and a hard place? Well, I—I I, I think I should do this, but. My heart longs to do these things, and perhaps both of them are even good. What do you do? Hmm. Well, fortunately for Joseph, as he was considering these things, an angel of the Lord came to him in a dream. Notice verse 20, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. (coughs) saying now this dream it explains a number of things for Joseph and important things for us it is essential that we understand these things because it tells us a great deal about God I want you to notice first it tells us about the purity of Mary which is the primary thing at stake here for Joseph and this angel, you know, it does not say the angel of the Lord, it says an angel of the Lord, tells us first about the purity of Mary. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, you and I would, <laughs> would have loved it, perhaps, if Joseph had raised his hand. Pardon me, sir. Could you explain to me how that happened? Well, friend, it's not so much important how it happened as that it happened. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And how did he do it? It started here. And uh, having talked about the purity of Mary, we notice that the angel continued on talking about the person within Mary. Some information about this child. She will bear a son And notice the command here, and you shall call his name Jesus. And why Jesus? Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew Yeshua. Joshua is how we translate it. And you know the thing about the Bible? Isn't every name seems to mean something that matters? Well, my friends, there's everything in this name. Yeshua means the Lord's salvation. And then we have a bit of f- further explanation. Why in the world shall you call him Yeshua, Joshua? Because he will save his people from their sins. And we, we have this, this, this laid clear before us, the mission of Jesus, how he did it. It was to save people from their sins. Now, you and I know exactly how he did it. It wasn't from teaching people right from wrong, although that was certainly a big part of what Jesus did. He, he demonstrated the nature of God before us. When we saw Jesus, we saw God, you know. But he came to die. It is, it is an amazing thing to consider That very God of very God, Jesus, the Son of God, would come, take on flesh. (sighs) Oh, my goodness. You can only imagine. This human form is so limiting to me, must have thought. (laughs) So oppressive. But it did that for me and for you. It was a few years back. You remember in New Orleans and the great flooding and people you know, stuck in that stadium, and it took five days for them to bring water to these people. You know, do you remember that occurrence? Was, it was a horrendous event, and people were suffering in there. You know, it would not be unlike you deciding those people might need some encouragement. They might need some help. They might need somebody to take care of. I'm going to go and volunteer and get in there. I'm guessing that may not have crossed your mind. But it was this sort of thing that Jesus did. He came to sinful man, became a a man, added humanity to himself that he might suffer, endure insults, weakness, all for the purpose of saving us. He died for our sin and he rose from the dead incredible account that is just far too easy to miss there is no greater love than this that he would come and be a part of this mess but you shall call him jesus why for he will save mary and the persons Well, having talked about the purity of Mary and the person within Mary, now the angels spend some time reviewing the prophecy about Mary. All this took place, verse 22, to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive. How can this be possible by only God? This is from Isaiah chapter seven and verse fourteen, a very Christmas me prophecy. You know, and the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Load of information for Joseph, who is just now trying to figure it all out, put it all in its place, and here it is laid before him. And Matthew has laid out for us an understanding that this is the Son of God, that this Son who is to be born, whom Joseph will name Jesus, is God among us. God among us. Hmm. God with us. Now, what was the purpose of this virgin birth? Well, certainly the coming of Jesus accomplished numerous things through revealing God to us. As John said in his gospel in chapter 1 and verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And in his coming, he bridged the gap between God and man. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verses 5 and 6 remind us, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. (coughs) Gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. But ultimately, to take on the nature of man in order to die for man. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 17, we read, Therefore he, referencing Jesus, had to be made like his brothers in every respect. Why? So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the servants of God. And to make propitiation for the sins of people. The word propitiations means satisfaction. That God's wrath would be satisfied. And how? In the death of his son. In the place of you and I here this morning. He died as our substitute to take the wrath of God that you and I deserve because of our sin. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. Not only is he our sacrifice, this great high priest now understands our condition. He is in no better place now to understand our weaknesses and our temptations and the difficulties that we face. (laughs) Aren't you thankful that Jesus came? Oh, you say, it's not Thanksgiving any longer. (laughs) My friends, what has he done for you? And that he left the glory of heaven, the perfect fellowship with his Father and the Spirit of God, and he took on flesh. Hmm. Well, in light of this news now, we see that Joseph has a decision to make. And my friends... Joseph, is certainly a pattern for you and I, having heard and been reminded of the Word of God, has a decision to make. Now that he understands what it is that is happening, regardless of the fact that to all of his family and all of the people that he… He's a carpenter, and all of the work and the business experience and people that he deals with, so I understand your wife is married… Were you not just betrothed? All of the embarrassment that he might face from others, looking down upon him. (coughs) Joseph has a decision. And I hope that you will notice in verse 24, when Joseph awoke from this sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife. He did exactly what God told him to do through this angel. And my friends, his obedience was not only immediate. It was a lot like the shepherds, remember? They were out there with their flocks by night. And behold, an angel appeared before them. And they immediately left everything they had to go and worship Gonna see a lot of that, my friends. It is a reminder for us how it is we ought to respond. Immediate and complete obedience. Look at verse 25. But he knew her not until she had given birth. People give names for different and he called his name Jesus. Now people give names for different reasons, you know. know, To honor a, a loved one that had passed or in hopes of getting higher in the list of inheritance, you know, from some rich aunt or uncle, you know, people have different reasons to name. They've run out of names that they don't like or that they do like, and this is what was left. But Joseph named him Jesus because that is exactly what God wanted him to do. Regardless of his thoughts growing up, you know, Play names with poodles and puppies and kitty cats. And what shall we call him? Shadow, how about Misty? We had four dogs named Misty as kids. I kid you not. We had Misty and Shadow of Misty and the Shadow of Sh- Misty Shadow. and I mean, we you know, like we couldn't come up with another name like Poppy or something. <laughs> but it's true. I kid you not. But this name was given because this name meant Everything. Or he will save his people from their sin. And I would ask you here this morning, in light of what it is you know, how have you responded? Have you come to a point in your life that realizing that knowing is not enough, it's not going to be a test in heaven? Anybody know the answer to how we're saved? Oh, I know. my friend, you're not going to be there. If your response is not one of accepting as true and acting in faith. It's not about asking, my friends. It is about believing. And that believing, accepting is true, leads you to act in light of these truths. Knowing something will save no one. But acting on it. That is where the faith is. James talked about it. How works are always accompanied by faith. Act. Well, here is Joseph's decision, my friends. What is yours? If we wrap it up here, we notice that a sermon in a sentence, <coughs> in light of all of these things that we have studied, the genealogies of generation after generation. I mean, the Bible starts with a man and a woman and a garden. And then we watch how there is birth and a child is born, a daughter is in And one after another, it all tells the story of this coming baby, the Son of God taking on flesh, that he might die in our place. God providentially moves throughout history to accomplish his purpose. And what is his purpose, my friends? To glorify himself as he Reconciles sinful man to himself. That is what God has been doing through history. Working to reconcile sinful people like you and I to himself. God providentially moves through history to accomplish his purpose. That's why nothing is wasted. That's why all things are working together for good. To those who love God. To those who are called According to his purpose, the providence of God is Him working where we see it and where we don't. Hmm. And so I would call you, my friends, to live in light of the promises of God. When God makes a promise, He keeps it. When God tells us what He's going to do, you can be assured that He will do it. And we ought to live in light of these things. What does that mean? That means where we ought to have hope, we ought to hold on to that hope. Where it requires us to live and say goodbye to some things and hold on to other things, it is precisely what we ought to do. Our lives should be diametrically opposed to those who live otherwise. Friends, people ought to know that you are a Christian by the way you live. Because the way you live is based on your priorities. And they must be different than the rest of the world. I wonder how many of you have ever had someone come up to you and say, there's just something different about you. You know, and it's not what you're wearing or what you're smelling like. My friends, it is a lifestyle. That you cannot turn away from because of the hope and the love you have for God. So live in light of the promises of God. And my friends, in this season, I would call you to bask in the love that God has for you. God's love for you is great. It's not about how many friends you got on Facebook because it seems that Facebook doesn't really understand the concept of the term friends. (laughs) associates, people you remember their name. That's not friends, my friends. But God, for God so loved the world. Isn't it great that the Spirit of God using, you know, uh, leading the writer John to write the word so, for God so loved the world. And remember, love is not just a warm feeling that might pass. Love is a sacrificial investment in someone's life, demonstrated in the fact that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever might believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life, reconciled into the presence of God forevermore to worship the king bask in that love here today my friends you have great value to God and he made it extraordinarily clear in all of these things and then finally I would remind you that the right thing is to obey God regardless of your feelings how you may have been hurt what options you may have had out there if only you'd have gone a different way You know, if I didn't follow God's call and become a pastor, I could have been a bum somewhere. I could have been that guy that couldn't be trusted, that people looked at and turned away from. Or maybe the guy that fooled them all into thinking he was something he wasn't. What would your life be without him? Obey him, regardless of your feelings. Regardless of where anyone else goes, though none go with me, still I will follow. Is it the heartbeat that you have within you?